welcome to the Parker J. Cole Show. I'm your host, the Queen, Parker J. Thanks so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking to my guest co-host and contributor, Sheila M. McIntyre. We are talking about her wonderful devotional called Speak in the Word, Live Boldly and Flavorfully. And let me tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed this devotional. It's short. It's not really long, but does it pack a punch? I love the way she uses the tea analogy in this story, even in the way that she titled this, Steep in the Word. Those of you who know me, you know I love tea. And there's nothing like a bold, full of flavor type of tea. My favorite is peppermint tea. And you let the tea bag steep in the water because it increases the robustness of the flavor. In the same way, we want to increase our robustness in Christ. And this little devotional is going to do that. I can't wait to get to it in just a few moments. As always, we want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We've been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years, or rather 10 years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff. See what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, go to pjcmedia.net. Click the pink follow button. You'll never miss a show. Subscribe to our new YouTube channel and subscribe to get updates, uploads, and more. Go ahead, subscribe today and click the notification bell so you'll never, ever miss an episode. And so without further ado, I'm going to bring my guest on board today. Sheila, how you doing? I'm great, Parker. How are you? I am so glad that we met, and we met through my good friend, Christensen Lowe, who is a author that we recently showcased on the show, and he is all the way from South Korea, and I have been gnawing his ear off for about a year, Sheila, and he goes, hey, P, I know someone named Sheila. She has a devotion that she wants to get the word out, and so I was drawn immediately to the cover of your book, which shows tea and the Bible, which, you know, great for me. And as soon as I saw it, I bought it, I read it, and loved it. And then, get this, dear listener, I blew up her, <laughs> I blew up her messenger with all my thoughts about her book. And <laughs> thankfully, she didn't run away, so she was so gracious to be here with me. So I want to let our listeners know a lot more about you. So go ahead, tell us a little bit about yourself. So this will be my 20th year teaching in a public school, and I teach high school. Uh, business and computers are my primary subjects that I teach, and i totally been called to that profession, and it's teenagers are my jam. I love teenagers, but one of the things that no matter what you ask me in my life that I enjoy doing, it's encouraging other people and exhorting people. And so not only does that come out in my teaching, but it also has come out in my writing. So the book that I wrote, it's been really a 10-year work in progress. And although it's not very long, sometimes we need a kick in the pants to get ourselves going and to get us to do the thing that the Lord has called us to do because we get scared or we're, I don't know, it's not going to really resonate with people. And so I feel like as these 20 years have passed rather quickly, it would seem, the older I get, the quicker it goes. 
I find that my teaching has prepared me to reach out to people in a different way. I've always been an introvert. And so talking to people and being social is not always my thing, but we put me in teaching and all of a sudden I come alive. And I did the same thing I found in my writing. I really was able to put down my thoughts and my feelings in a way that I hoped resonated with people, especially the people who the Lord meant the book for. So that's kind of just a, a snapshot of who I am. I don't have kids myself, but you'll always hear me talking about my kids and they'll say, oh, how many do you have? Well, I have several thousand because when I'm my kids are truly, I really do feel like they are my kids. And every once in a while, a kid will call me mom. So that's kind of comical, but I just love encouraging people and I love helping people and I love seeing people progress in their walk with the Lord. So that's kind of a quick snapshot of me. What I love about your story is that you made mention of the fact that you know you were called to be a teacher. And in today's world, being a teacher is extremely difficult, particularly when the classroom is divided up by ideological wars, cultural wars. It's also divided by absentee parents or parents who are not really interested in their children's education while being compared to parents who want to interfere with the learning process. There's a lot going on to it. And so as a teacher who has been doing this for 20 years, what are some of your thoughts about it? There's definitely been a shift. As society has changed, there's definitely been a shift in the classroom. What I started off with back in 2003 is vastly different than what you see today. We see a lot of kids struggling, especially after COVID. We see a lot of kids struggling with academics with society issues. They have a lot of pressure on them. They're facing things earlier on than they've ever faced in, I feel like, any generation. And you see that come through the classroom. So whereas when I started in 2003, I really had a teacher hat. That was my primary hat that I wore. Now it's I'm disciplinarian, counselor, teacher, and a variety of other things. You're trying so hard to help these kids stay on track and if they're not eating properly and they're not coming from a good home life and they've got people missing in their life that are critical, it really impacts them in a huge way. And so there's definitely a lot more than just teaching when you're in the classroom. Plus, you've got a lot of discipline issues. You know, discipline is a huge component that has really gotten a lot worse in the last 20 years. And I would also say that cell phones are a huge contributor to that. People, in particular teenagers, they're so used to connecting with their cell phones and connecting to people through those devices that you could be in a room with five teenagers and none of them will talk to one another, which is really a travesty. We're not doing kids any favors by allowing them to continue to just communicate through cell phones. So you know, in my classroom, I do make them talk and I do make them interact and they don't always like it, but it's important. So definitely a huge change in 20 years for sure. So you definitely see the isolation that technology has helped to usher in with the younger generation. And it's interesting because we're more connected than we have ever been in the past. And yet there are so many young people who are alone in real life who are only using virtual connections as their bridge to real life as opposed to making real life. 
And so you have this calling to help kids however you can. But you made a point that I want to simmer on really quickly is the fact that your job as a teacher has changed. And do you see that as a good thing? Do you see it as a bad thing? What are some of your perspectives on it? Personally, from my own point of view, I feel that things have gotten worse. To be honest, this is my 20th year going back, and I'm not even looking forward to going back. Things have changed so drastically. We have a lot of students who really could care less about their academics. We have a variety of kids who do care, but they're not getting backing from home. They're going through other things. And there's just a lot of factors that go into it, but a lot of kids just, they have no desire to really want to learn. They have no desire to grow academically. You see a lot of students who will Google things, who will do whatever they can just to find the answers to the questions. They don't really want to find out for themselves how to work through the process of problem solving. And unfortunately, in our school systems, and our, our systems are broken. Our public school systems are very broken, and we have a lot of students who are just trying to get through, but they're not coming out what they need in order to be successful adults. At least many of them are not, and that's just from my point of view, but you see a lot of teachers that are leaving teaching, good teachers, awesome teachers who are leaving because more and more is piled on them with very little respect. And we have a lot of students who are continuing to bully teachers and to disrespect teachers, and they are basically forced to accept whatever is doled out to them as teachers. And many states will say that teachers need to continue to do everything they can to get the students to learn, but you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And that's kind of where we're stuck right now. The states oftentimes will say, oh, as a teacher, you absolutely can make a kid learn. Well, there is a motivation piece that as much as we do, sometimes it doesn't. We just can't. But then there's kids who excel really well. But I would say that there's that's becoming more of a minority. So there's a lot of pieces that really need to be looked at in the public school system. I'm glad you're letting me ask you these questions because it lets us know that if we want to regain the advantage that teachers had with helping kids become active members of society by arming them with knowledge about their world, we need to get steeped in the word. We need to live boldly, okay? And I love the fact that you're sharing these very intimate thoughts about teaching because you love teaching. You love helping kids learn how to be better at this thing called life. It didn't make up for being a parent, but you kind of had that connection. I know for me, my favorite teacher, especially when I was in middle school and high school, was Mrs. Gregg and Miss Troop. And Mrs. Gregg was the one who ignited my writer in me. Even though I always knew I would be a writer, she helped to ignite it because I will write short stories and the kids would like the stories I wrote. So I remember Miss Gregg. And then Miss Troop, I had her for my AP English class. And she was the first teacher to tell me that I had a style and I didn't realize I needed to hear those words, that I had a style. I had something unique about my writing. And so that is what teachers can do. That's a little different from parents. Parents are to encourage you and help hone those talents, but teachers help to chip away at the talent so it comes out like a nice sculpture. And I'm really glad that you share that because it lets us know that 
in this daily life, we want to steep ourselves in the word of God. We want to do our devotionals. And we want to pray about the issues of the day, not just the personal ones, but the issues of the day. So later on in the broadcast, Sheila, I'm going to have you toward the end pray for our schools and our community because it's obviously important to you. And you also want to let the teachers know who I know we have teachers in our audience that, hey, your pain is not forgotten. You want to do what you were called to do, which is to teach and really fire up the young ones. And so we're going to pray for them later on in the broadcast. Let's go ahead and seep into Seep in the Word. And this is available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Go ahead, get your copy today. So let's go ahead and talk about this book. You said it was 10 years in the making. And because it was 10 years in the making, how did you keep going, stringing all these thoughts together? So a lot of times it would just be an event that would happen in my life, something every day that you would go through. And I was like, wow, what did I learn from this? The Lord really showed me something from this. And so he was really the one who gave me the idea and I would sit down and I would write it and it would just come together fairly quickly. And I had a notebook which is still here by me. And I would just continue to write these devotionals. I never went through any training or anything like that. And I knew from when I was younger, just like you had gone through school and had some different things where you were sparked. So was I. And I didn't do a lot with it because I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm not a writer. I'm not great at it. You find that something resonates with you and you pray that it resonates with somebody else. And even if it doesn't resonate, it's okay because the Lord has asked you to do something and you write it down and you're being obedient to him. For about 10 years, I'd write various devotionals, but while the Lord had wanted me to, he gave me the title almost immediately. And I knew it was something that I really wanted to do, but I was scared. And I thought, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to make it happen. And so for a number of years, I'd write devotionals here and there, but I just was too scared, too scared to do anything with it. And so I had listened to a seminar. It was about two years ago with Shelly Hitz and her husband, CJ, and they were doing a procrastination to publication seminar. And it really hit me hard. And I thought, wow, I got to get on this. And I really felt like the Lord was impressing on me that if I didn't do this, that he was going to take away that opportunity. And so I really got serious about it. And I still had hiccups along the way, but he provided the people in my path to give me some guidance and wisdom. And I had an awesome editor, Laura Doncia, who really was just amazing at helping me and encouraging me. Um, And I had a group of friends who were close to me and helping me and encouraging me as well. And my husband, I mean, they were my cheerleaders. They were the ones who said, you can do this and we're going to see you to the end through this. And so I am just so thankful for the people that the Lord called alongside of me on that journey. I love Shelly Hitz. She is such an encouragement to authors, particularly in the Christian market. And her courses, classes, and materials will really help you build your author brand and your career. And it's Kingdom Author, she calls it. I was able to be a speaker during one of her conferences this year. She's just a wonderful woman of God. And she and her husband really, really do want to help authors do this thing called writing. So now you said that you were afraid, but the Lord told you, if you don't do this, I will take this opportunity away from you. 
And so you're mitigating or rather trying to go through all of these different emotions. And would you say that a lot of the barriers that we experience in life are emotional that aren't always grounded in reality? I would say so. Fear is a huge one. And the devil uses fear to paralyze us because he knows we have a message that the Lord has given to us. He, the Lord has a calling for us. He has a purpose for our lives. And the devil would love nothing more than to see us paralyzed by fear that we would not go out and speak on behalf of the Lord and help reach people, encourage them, speak the gospel in a way that maybe they've never heard before, or maybe they just really need encouragement. They've gone through a rough time and they are Christians, but they need to see that hope again. So wherever the Lord calls us to, he has equipped us, but the devil will do everything he can to say no. You don't need to do that. Oh, you know, like you're never going to make anything of yourself. You're never going to be of purpose, but that is so a lie. And I find for me, fear is one of the hugest things that paralyzes me. And that was what happened here. In one of your devotionals, and we're going to dig into her devotional right now, you have titles for each day. And for example, day 21 has Soar, My Dear Friend. And you give us a scripture, and then you start to do exhortation on what the Lord is leading you to talk about people. And these are very short devotions. I actually read in a couple of hours, but it didn't take long to read at all. But I was just really reading it to see what type of content you had. And several of these really hit me in the gut. And one of them, and I've mentioned this before, dear listener, has been my Pashant of people pleasing, always wanting to make sure people, quote unquote, like me. And it actually makes me nervous when people, or when I have conflict with people, but we can't live a conflict-free life. (laughs) We had our chance, we blew it. So here on day 20 is people-pleasing, and you have the verse from Galatians, and I'll just read the verse. It says, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I will not be a bond servant of Christ. And this one just walloped me in the chest. And I would love for you to expand on this particular devotional here. So people-pleasing has always been something that I have struggled with my whole life. I don't like feeling rejected. (laughs) I don't feel like people don't like me. And so it's definitely something that I have struggled with. And when you look at people-pleasing, our normal response as a human being is for everybody to like us. It's just not going to happen. And there are times when the Lord calls us into a situation and we're not going to be liked. I mean, Paul wasn't liked all the time. And yet he's considered one of the most prolific speakers for the Lord in the New Testament. And so as I've gone through different situations where I've wanted to make relationships right, and sometimes almost I feel like at any cost. I just realized that I can't make people like me. And so I can't be dependent on their feelings for me one way or the other. Humans are fickle. And one day they'll love you and one day they'll hate you. Or one day you'll be the greatest thing since sliced cheese. And the next day they're like, oh, I don't like your decision or I don't like how you view this particular thing. And so I can't get caught up in that. And I still do. But I really have to focus. I can't focus on people I need to focus on what the Lord has called me to do. And so my thought was with this devotional, you know, are you a people pleaser? 
it's important for us to be a God pleaser because at the end of the day, his purpose, his calling for our life, the things that he's asked us to do in obedience, those are the things that are going to stand the test of time, not whether somebody liked me or didn't like me. Now, that doesn't mean that I can go around being rude to people. Right. Just start kicking the cat and throwing a dog at people. I don't want to do that. And so I do try and live in peace with people. But if there's something very important and it, it comes to, you know, am I going to please somebody or am I pleasing the Lord? My decision has to be to please the Lord. So really, my people pleasing devotional comes from a lifetime where I have, this has been a struggle for me. And I think there's a lot of people in your audience that have struggled with it. And it's just important for us to remember that we're not dependent on what others think. It's important what the Lord thinks of us. I'm so glad you touched on that because currently in our culture, the cancel culture is very prominent. If you do something that the masses or the minority who has the loudest voice doesn't like, you can get canceled. And it's very tempting to fall into a place where you just don't say anything. But eventually, and this is something the Lord showed me, and I hope this resonates with you, dear listener, you can't always tell the fence. Eventually, you're going to have to put your foot down on some things and just let the chips fall where they lay. Because at the end of the day, I want the Lord to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want him to say, depart from me, ye worker of iniquity, I never knew you. That would be quite horrible to hear at the end of all things. And one of the other ones that you talked about that I particularly liked was devotion for day seven, all that glitters is not gold. And I'll read the scripture from 1 Corinthians 3. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yes, so as through fire. And that's from 1 Corinthians 3, 12 through 15. Go ahead and expand on that particular devotion. So in that particular devotional, I had actually seen this woman wearing an amazing wedding set. And I was like, oh, it's so beautiful. And like most women, we're drawn to diamonds. And I'm like, hey, honey, look at this. This is so beautiful. And he's like, you know, how do you even know that it's, it's real? And it got me to thinking, you know, it's true. We're so used to in our society, we see things that are beautiful and we're like, yeah, that's got to be a diamond. And cubic zirconias and white sapphires have become so good at tricking us into believing they're diamonds. I mean, unless you have a really trained eye, then you'll know right away it's not a diamond. But it got me to thinking, you know, a lot of times we do these amazing deeds in our lives and we're like, yeah, like, look at this, look at me. Or we see somebody do all these amazing things, but what's on the inside? What is the thing that's really driving the person? Is it really out of love for the Lord and for another person that the deed is being done? Or is it because what accolades am I going to get out of this? What praise am I going to get out of this? And I really need to do some inventory and I still need to do inventory in my life. Why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I want praise? Do I want to look amazing to somebody else? Or am I really doing this for the Lord to bring glory and honor to him? 
And when it gets down to that, that's really the hard question. What exactly are we doing in our lives to make a difference for the Lord? And would we still do them even if nobody else saw that deed? Because, you know, integrity is about doing the right thing even when no one else is looking. So would we still do that good deed if nobody else was looking? And that was really what got me to thinking about it. Just because it sparkles superficially doesn't mean that it's something that is steeped in the Lord. And at the end of the day, this devotion, Steep in the Word, Live Boldly and Flavorfully, is helping us to have a robust, full life with Christ. And Sheila uses her experiences, her observations as the Lord led her to help you have a life steeped in the Word. Make sure you go ahead and pick up this devotional available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Now, on Amazon, it's only 99 cents for the ebook. So go ahead, pick up your copy today. It's $1 that will be well spent. Now, what I'm going to do right now, as I said earlier in the broadcast, Sheila, I'm going to mute myself. And what I would like for you to do is pray and pray as the Lord leads you. I know I specifically said, about teachers and our public education community, but pray as the Lord leads you. Thank you, dear Lord, for this time together and for allowing me to connect with Parker as well as her listeners, the audience. We know that things are hard right now. There's a lot of things going on, but we know that you are in control of everything. And even when we don't see answers, we know that you always know what the answers are and you have all the wisdom for us to ask from you. You promise anything we ask in your name, you would give to us. We know that that is your will for us to have that wisdom. We definitely pray for our school system and our teachers. We pray that as we start a new year, or some have already started, that you would encourage every teacher. We pray that you would give them wisdom and direction and leading by the Holy Spirit to speak life into the students that they come into contact with. Every single teacher has been specially chosen to be the teacher of the children that they have right now. You have allowed that for a purpose. You know what those students need. We pray that you would speak life to those students, to those kids, through us, that they would feel loved because you love us. We pray, dear Lord, for this nation. We pray for your mighty power, and we pray that this nation would become a nation of you again. We pray you would help us to stand strongly, boldly, flavorfully, steeped in your word, full of love for others, and to share your word with all those we come in contact with. There are so many who are hurting, and we have the answer because that answer is you. We pray you would lead us by the Holy Spirit, I pray for everyone who needs encouragement and wisdom, that you would uplift them, strengthen them. And we pray for those that are lost, that they would be saved and know you through your son, Jesus. I thank you for every day that is a new opportunity. Thank you for every day where your mercies are new. We thank you. You never give up on us and you love us abundantly. May we continue to do the same with everyone that we meet. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. I love your prayer. I love the simplicity of it. I love the way I can tell you were moved by how the Spirit was leading you to pray. You said, there are so many people unhappy, and you, dear Lord, are the answer. 
And I'm going to leave that with our listeners today as we end this episode of the Parker J. Cole Show. Again, you can pick up your copy of Steep in the Word available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Sheila, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much, Parker. I appreciate it. I hope that you were blessed by the words that we spoke here on this episode. If you're looking to live bold and flavorfully, go ahead and pick up your copy of Steep in the Word today. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of the Parker J. Cole Show. You have a wonderful, absolutely glorious blessed day, and God bless.